From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, it's great to be back with you. And the last time I saw you, we were in person, and uh, that was really cool. So I hope things are going well with you. Oh, yeah, it was great uh, being able to hang out down in Florida at Infocom. Um, so we are back away from Infocom now and doing our regular schedule stuff. But yeah, it was a joy being down there. Absolutely. It's, you know, I don't think that we do stuff like that for often enough. And it, it, it seems like once a year is becoming too infrequent based on what I'm hearing from a lot of people. So um, I, I don't know. I, I personally feel like people come for the people, you go to Infocom for the people and you also get the technology. So um, with that said, what we planned on doing today was talking a little bit about our um, just la last minute takeaways, la last uh, uh, insight um, and wrap up what we looked at and saw and experienced at Infocom 23. So um, uh, I'll let you um, kind of kick it off for us. How was your show and, and what um, were some of the, the highlights for you? Um, my show was good. It was chaotic. Um, I mean, with being the first year having a booth, I was tied up with that. Also, it was my first year speaking at hit, uh, Infocom, so I was tied up with that. And then, of course, you know, you got the show booths and all the meetups and uh, connecting with people and, you know, just running into people on the show floor and talking. So it was definitely uh, chaotic um, in a good way. Um, definitely making mental changes of how I'm going to go further uh, in the future with the shows. Um, but yeah, it was good. My my real takeaway from the show, and this is, I, I want to say it was probably, it's a good one for our audience, is the booths I did attend to, the, most of the products were the same. Like there was nothing wowing, um, cool out there. There were some. Don't get me wrong. Um, there were some cutting edge stuff and some nice new technology. But most of the part, I felt like most of the manufacturers like had their own little unique spin on a product that was already out there. Um, but there was a lot of uh, talk about open API, open architecture. Like that was what really got me at Infocom this year was hearing about that and how like, oh, you can buy company A and make it work with company B and easily now instead of being walled gardens and stuff. Which is huge for our audience and people in our position and just the industry as a whole. I, I, I really agree with you there. And I think that that's a big change that was kind of subtle for some people because it's something that not everybody relates to. Um, I'm not sure if people in different capacities and different roles and, and, and doing, um, seeing things from, from different perspectives can appreciate it as much as we can in either a programmer capacity or an engineering capacity, or, or even for you from a technology manager capacity, knowing that if I buy something, I'm not going to be stuck and and uh, locked into only working with a product that doesn't have flexibility. I, th I think flexibility to me was a big theme, and, and as well as 
a lot of manufacturers, to, to your point, they, they may not have shown anything groundbreaking, but I think that they gave off a little bit more of a refreshing perspective of we, we know that we have to take care of clients and we need to be more focused on needs and providing solutions and, and being accommodating and really understanding how we can stand out by providing maybe better customer service or being more in tune with um, doing the little things that are going to make us stand out from our competition, not because of the 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 uh, features and 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 uh, stats of our product, but more so about how we deal with people. And I think that that was also very refreshing. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and the one after the show thing I found very refreshing, and I'll admit this happened from one manufacturer, was I know we all get those, oh, thank you for stopping by my booth, blah, blah, blah. But the one that I got one of those from one manufacturer and it was tailored to our conversation. It was like, here, we met this day, here what we talked about, here's the links to what we talked about. Like, it wasn't like that generic, oh, think stopping by our booth, here what we showed. It was, here's continue the conversation we had at the show, which I thought was refreshing. And going to your point of taking care of your customers. Do, do you have any thoughts about why that change may have occurred or what, what may be pushing things in this direction? Because it, it wasn't, it, it was, I would say it's more of a theme than, than isolated cases. Yeah, I, I saw it definitely a theme at the show. The follow-up was uh, isolated for me, but I think the push is, I want to say that our, at least in my realm, in the higher ed realm, I feel we're getting more um, included in the industry. So even though the industry is growing, it becoming smaller, like everyone knows everybody, even though it's growing, if that makes sense. So we are look, we no longer look at, oh, you're the user, you're gonna, you know, do what I say. Like I, I'm I'm using that in air quotes, do what I say, um, to more of, hey, you're a partner, let's work together. And and to that point, uh, the stats came out. And and I don't have them off the top of my head, but somewhere in the in the range of a third or more were first timers, and a, and also a third or more were uh, end users that were in attendance, which is huge. I mean, that's that's a monumental shift. I I believe. I, I think you have more educated end users now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's no longer okay. You say this, that's what we're going with. It's more like. It's more a partnership and more a conversation, less of a um, steering the ship and everyone else is going for the ride. So, so to that point, and and you know, what one of the thoughts that I had was that uh, you know, go, going back to the idea that a lot of products look the same, and a lot of um, and we have a little bit of a change in attitude. Um, I think that there's a lot more of a competitive landscape now. And and um, maybe some of the uh, the the egos ha have lessened, or maybe the there's a little bit more uh, understanding that 
manufacturers and as well as service providers and, and others, they need to earn your business on a regular basis. There is no guarantee, you know, and that kind of speaks to the idea that you're not locked in. You can yep. change, you are educated. There, there is a lot more choice out there. And um, it's not, and you, you've said this, that your, your, your allegiance is to your users, not to a brand. So I think that that's, that's a big shift. And to me, while not everybody might like that shift, if you're on the, the end that may be losing some market share, I think it makes for a healthier industry. And I think that I, I credit the, the, um, and user involvement for helping to make that shift personally. Uh, I agree. I, I can definitely see that. And I, it's a good move. It's definitely a good move. Um, kind of, you know, for our audience, you know, talking a little bit about the open API stuff and, and the, the product flexibility and so forth. Um, where, when we, when manufacturers are talking about that, um, what what is aside from the fact that they're saying that you can work with many products and and you're not limited, were they willing to go any further to talk about um, what benefits that could provide? Um, and you know, I like for me, my company uh, really tries to take that and and run with it to help programmers and 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 others make integration easier with modules and drivers and plugins, not, not to, to pitch that, but, but, you know, the, you know, the, the open API, I think is a step in that direction and, and we need to continue that trend. I couldn't really answer that at this time, because as I say, this show was very hectic for me. So a lot of my conversations were like five, 10 minutes with folks. Um, so I couldn't, dive into the weeds as much as I would prefer. Um, so I really can't answer I got more of the surface level. Uh, there was a couple products where they talked about open API. And I remember coming back and talking to contacts of mine about it. And I always preference like, well, we'll see if it actually works that way. Like, I know they're saying it, let's see if it actually works that way. Um, because I didn't have the time to dive into that with them. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about being on the exhibitor side, because that's something that you could talk to that I, I really can't. It's um, not something that I did um, or have done in the past. What, what um, were some of the, the, the experiences that you had and, and, you know, like how, um, what did you learn from it? Um, I Definitely learned a new respect for all exhibitors. Um, the amount of detail, the amount of organization and processing and all that stuff to have a booth on the show floor is a lot. It it's, definitely takes a lot. And it, but what really allowed me to kind of step back and say, wow, was if you look at the HEPMA booth and what was great about the HEPMA booth was it was all volunteer base. Not one person was paid by HEPMA to be there. And we all have day jobs. Like, you know, we work for our universities. 
but we still had, a, I would say, an army of volunteers there. Um, we could definitely, uh, every show is a learning environment. Uh, every show is a, uh, you'll take from it and twist and go, okay, I'll do this better next time. So there's things we could definitely do better. Um, even though I, I, I could be misspoken here, but I heard somewhere that our booth was the top 25, in the top 25 booth scans, uh, bad scans of everybody. Um, and we had one bad scanner. <laughs> wow. um, so that, yeah, that was um, something we would definitely need to work better on, making sure we have more than that or a better way of processing that. Um, I know from the show alone, was the number of registers into our community was I I kept telling people and I I was kind of being like not really paying attention too much to the numbers but I was saying we were gaining maybe a hundred members a day and there were people saying we were doing maybe double or triple that a day we doubled or tripled our membership by the end of the show uh what we came in with to what we left with um, that, but that pretty... goes to show you it wasn't just okay we had the end user booth there which was great but we had manufacturers bringing higher ed end users to us um so we had manufacturers coming to us we had vendors coming to us we had end users who was coming to us so we had a landing uh pad for our end users and we also had the champions like steve you and your company is a champion for hetma so that's something that helps there's tons of other companies and manufacturers and integrators who are again just like control concept who are championing for hetma who go oh are you part of hetma no here, be a part, and here are the members to talk to and bringing uh, people to us. So it was really, I would say, a industry um, take to get us there. That's impressive. And I would one of the questions I was going to ask is what was the percentage of people that were familiar faces versus people who were had just heard about Hetma for the first time because just just out of curiosity. Ah, uh, that I would say, and again, I am just, it was a blur to me, but I would say probably 50% of new faces to wow. um, remainder faces. That, that That's re really impressive. And it also goes to show the importance of creating that type of visibility because I've known about it for many years, but when you're on the show floor and you, you can get recognized and and get foot traffic and have a place to have a landing spot. I think it's uh, ma makes makes it that much more impressive, but also gives you a, a place to attract people to, as, as you mentioned, like a landing spot, which I, I think is really, really impressive and helpful. Um, yeah, no, definitely having that home base, that one location that, I mean, I even wrote about this in a review article of to me, the HEPMA booth was like a lighthouse. Mm. It allowed users to find their way through the fog of all the other booths on the show floor and, you know, guide them to 
not only guide them to us, but also guide them to, hey, this is what's cool on the floor. This is who you want to talk to at this booth and all that stuff. So it allow our end users to get more from the show, I would say. Well, one of the reasons that we're talking about Tetmo a lot and that we do, aside from your involvement and, and the fact that I have a, a just a, a, um, a, a native interest in it, um, is that it's about building community and it's about bringing together people that are sometimes isolated or or in their own world and and being able to identify the benefit of coming together and sharing information and and meeting people that are like them and and that are, are share some of the same challenges and um, just provide it, building community is is and, and that's really what we are trying to do as part of ask the programmer you know is inform the industry uh, be, address some of the programmer tasks and questions and 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 um, uh, uncertainties but also um, try to bring programmers and people interested in programming together so um, one of the things that you and I mentioned on our podcast a couple episodes ago when we had uh, Mike Spadafaro and Kate Atkins is that it would be really great if we can get together uh, programmers at an event in the future. So we, we put out uh, a little bit of a challenge to do that by next Infocom. And, um, and if nothing else, just have a small meetup. So um, I'll, I'll kind of let you elaborate a little bit more because you're more involved with it personally, but I think that there's um, th there's a lot of value that you get out of being amongst your peers and being amongst people that understand you, but also uh, creating that critical mass that shows that what you do is important and, and needs to be recognized in the industry. Yeah, so a lot to unpack. I, I think setting that um a meetup is ideal. I mean, you look at um, Infocom, you have the tweet up, um, which is great. Um, it's a great environment to meet a lot of the people from Twitter, but not everyone's on Twitter. We're, there's so many different social media out there, especially a lot of the new policies and rules that are going on Twitter <laughs> that some people are really um, getting away from that. So it's hard to be connected sometimes when you go to that tweet up because you you only know about it if you're in the twi uh, Twitterverse. But what about people who are on Slack? What about Discord? Um, I, I know I mentioned this. I think I mentioned this here. Um, it was actually brought up in a keynote I gave where you look at Paul Reveal, um, everyone, a lot of researchers wonder how he was able to tell everyone about the bridge coming. And what they determined was he didn't have to tell everybody. He didn't have to run for the town um, saying the Redcoats are coming. What all he had to do was he was actually a member of seven different guilds. He only had to tell those leaders of each guild, so seven people, who then filter out the conversation out. And I'm the same way. Like, 
I'm a member of a lot of different organizations. As we know here at MA, I also have my own Slack group. I'm on Facebook groups. I'm on LinkedIn groups. I'm on like wherever there's a community that we can build, I'm on there. So it's a lot. Sometimes a lot of information overlaps, but sometimes you'll get a, a nugget from one that's not another. And so that's why it's, I feel it's important being part of multiple communities, not just one. I, I think um, I, I share some of those same sentiments and I like that example too. It's the, you know, you, you, you can grow exponentially when, when you have different outlets to draw from and when, and if you, especially if you're trying to convey a message and, and um, it, it allows you to, to really magnify your voice. Um, so, as we wrap up, um, one thing that we're trying to put a call out to our listeners is, is this something that interests you? Is this something that you feel would be valuable, important, and and we really are looking for your input and we're looking for you to come and uh, connect with us and to um, voice your opinion or or just raise your hand and, and uh, let us know because I think that there's value in, um, in in bringing more voices to the, uh, the to, to to getting more people's voices heard, but bringing together people as a collective. So, um, James, I'll, I'll let you kind of wrap this up and and also let people know how to reach you and so forth. Um, you know, um, what what what's a good uh, call to action here? So, a call to action I, I'm going to put out there is. After this airs, um, make sure you are, if not already, following and connected to uh, AV Programmer Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll put a, a little poll on there asking our listeners um, that would you like a community in a Discord server, a Slack group? Um, and a couple other options on there. Um, so you can definitely message that there, look for that poll to uh, see how we can get involved a little more uh, and say connect it as a community. If you're not on Twitter, as mentioned earlier, not everyone's on there. Uh, you can find Steve and or myself on LinkedIn and you can message either one of us um, about that to get into this community that we're going to build. Um, and I'll put out there is if you're not on LinkedIn, but you're still a listener, you can actually email me at King, K-I-N-G, J as in James, N as in Nancy, J at Comcast.net, uh, which is my personal email, send it to there. Um, and you can communicate with me that way about what community you would feel value in. Awesome. And, um, other ways for people to get in touch with you and keep up with what you're doing? Um, if you're on Twitter, AB underscore James King, uh, LinkedIn, James King, um, anything with HEPMA, Higher Ed AB, um, definitely I'm on there as well. Awesome. And j just to um, echo what James said, so we're, uh, the Ask the Programmer Twitter account is actually at AB Programmer Pod. But we'll also use the uh, Ask the Programmer hashtag so that you could also find it that way. Um, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on 
uh, social media, my company, Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. If you go on that site, if you go to the contact page, you can contact me via email, via cell, text, whatever um, is works best for you. And and like James said, we, we want to really get an idea of who's out there and what we can do to serve you and, and how we might be able to bring the community together to, to start talking more um, and and try to to build our voices. We're, we're always welcoming new people on the show, so please let us know if that interests you as well. And um, we're, we had a couple of guests in our past episodes uh, from Infocom. Hopefully you found those valuable. And we were also uh, guests on the uh, AV Ball Guys podcast, uh, Coffee, Curveballs. Uh, I think it's something, <laughs> I don't have the exact title. Uh, coffee, Curveballs, and oh, Cables. Okay. Cables, coffees, and curveballs. Sorry for butchering that, but that was a great thing. And James and I were guests there, and we, we'd be glad to appear on other podcasts as well. Um, so, but you can reach our, our podcast on uh, all your favorite players as well as on YouTube. And we look forward to hearing from you. And with that, this has been Ask the Programmer. <laughs>